0: Coming up on today's show, presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX.
1: We'd close the PO season um, uh, at least uh, Sunday before duck opener.
0: Could a guy go and shoot target? You know, three hen mallards. Flyway approved uh, five push bag. Broadcasting from the Mid Migration Outfitter Studios, this is the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast. How much direction are you getting from the governor? The Minnesota DNR had reintroduced him into this area. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you didn't want me to tell the story on the show, but I'm going to tell but it anyway. I, I knew you were going to go there. They close the entire hunting season. Oh, well, that's really? Nice. The Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Onex. Know where you stand with Onex. By Haybale Heights on Devil's Lake. Visit Haybaleheights.com for more. By Ottertail County. Find your inner otter at Otter And by Lake of the Woods Tourism. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at Lake of the well, duck season in Minnesota may be over, but that doesn't mean that we're not talking about it right now. Some of us you think about ducks and geese all, all year long, no matter what season it is. Some people are traveling south. In fact, I'm jumping in a pickup with Corey Loeffler and heading south here very soon to uh, chase some ducks and geese around and do some uh, filming and taking pictures and just uh, getting on a getting out of Minnesota for a little bit to. To go south where some of the seasons are still open, but we've been talking about this for a long time here on this radio show, some potential changes to the waterfowl season in Minnesota, uh, what they are, what they could mean, when they could take place we've discussed a, a number of these, uh, potential changes and we've been letting you know about the survey that was going to be coming in January. Well, it's here. And a lot of you may know that already. Some of you may, may haven't seen it yet. There's uh, been a number of people I've talked to on social media that I've already taken the survey and some questions have come up about what's in the survey. What does it mean? Um, so I wanted to just kind of break it down and talk to, uh, the DNR a little bit to get some answers and some clarifications if we can on some of these things. So, uh, uh, gentlemen, I appreciate you being on the show. Uh, Steve Kortz is a waterfall staff specialist with the Minnesota DNR. We've been on talking about ducks many times on the show. Welcome back, Steve. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Also, Kurt Vosick, the uh, wildlife Super- area wildlife supervisor out of Appleton. Kurt, how's it going? It's going great. We've had Thanks a few. Dis- on? Yeah, you bet. We've had a few discussions about this, and uh, of course, then Dan Amundsen is uh, joining us as well once again this week. Dan, how are you doing? How are you? I know you're curious uh, about, you, you know, you're what are you? You're 20, so you've got a, a yep. lot of time to shoot ducks here in Minnesota over the next uh, 800 years, and, <laughs> and or so, give or take a few. But uh, so I know I know you're very interested in some of these potential changes, and mm-hmm. I, I want to just talk about why this survey has come out. Maybe Steve, you can touch on this. I know. Uh, you being with the DNR, you're constantly hearing from from hunters out there. Well, you should be doing this, or why are you doing that? It's it's kind of a thankless job what you guys do. I I feel for you at times, and there's a lot of things I I agree with. There's some things I disagree with. I I feel like some people should use a little bit more tact when they express their suggestions to the the Department of Natural Resources. So you guys have a tough job sometimes. So I I know there's always been a few things uh, regarding the Minnesota duck hunting season, Minnesota waterfowl season that you probably hear about year after year. But there's also the, the question of increasing hunter participation, recruiting new hunters out there. So I'm assuming this survey is kind of to address both of those things. Am I right?
1: Um, yeah. Um, and, and, uh, just, uh, maybe for a little, uh, background, um, um, we're actually doing, um, in my mind, uh, four different, um, like public out- outreach, um, issues. Um, uh, so one, we asked our managers to reach out to avid hunters and groups, um, and sportsmen's clubs in their uh, work areas uh that happened in december uh two um is the online uh, public input we're doing now uh, three is um a mail out survey that is going out um, i think this week to about 7000 uh, waterfall stamp buyers and then four is um in march uh we're going to do um a, a webinar and take comments after that. So, hmm. um, we're pretty much, uh, covered the board in terms of, um, um, any sort of input. And, uh, to me it's, yeah, it's, a, it's good. Um, uh, we'll see what, um, uh, like the info is, but, um, uh, we've in, uh, never done uh, that much uh, outreach before. So, um, I'm excited
0: about it. Yeah. Well, I know people are always asking for more communication, more uh, lines of communication with the Department of Natural Resources. So this is uh, giving the hunters out there more options to offer their opinions. What would the difference between the on Is there is there many different... Can you speak about the differences between the online survey and the mail-out survey?
1: Um, yeah. Um, uh, so the mail-out survey is... Um, um, a, a whole lot more detailed, um, um, a whole lot more questions and we tried to kind of uh, pair the online stuff down a little bit. Um, um, I, I think, the uh, probably the one, um, or two differences, um, in the online input, um, uh, uh we did not ask about, um, uh, swan or crane hunting seasons, um, which is on the, uh, the mail out survey. Okay. And that's, um, other than that, um, and you know, a whole bunch, uh, like other, um, uh, info and details, uh, that to me, that's about the only, um, major difference.
0: Okay. I was going to ask about that because I didn't see uh, a question about cranes or or swans on the online survey. And I know that 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 was brought up to me from a number of people that would like to see a statewide crane season or a potential, um, you know, some sort of even a limited harvest lottery on uh, tundra and trumpeter swans in Minnesota. So that's we'll look for that in the mail out survey and then the March webinar, will that be, will you have some of the results from the surveys then? Will that be a further discussion or do you have something else planned for that?
1: Um, uh, Well, we'll have uh, results from the online input and uh, sort of early results from the mail out survey, Uh, probably um, enough feedback to uh, certainly uh, discuss uh, results. we probably won't have the uh, like the final report or final data until this summer but uh, uh by then we should have enough uh to at least um, uh, the hope is to kind of review all the input
0: what's the what would you like to see, you know, like when could some of these changes be implemented and is there some sort of threshold of support that each topic needs or are you going to basically take into consideration what what the public is saying out there and say, OK, well, this is probably what we'll do. Or is there is there you know, is there some sort of threshold like that?
1: Um, not really. Um, you know, I, uh, again, I. Um, uh, uh, the way uh, we make decisions, um, uh, in the department, um, it's, uh, certainly, uh, pay grades above me, our director and commissioner, um, uh, make, uh, like waterfall season, des- uh, decisions, but, uh, yeah, I, I think we're, uh, you know, it's not a poll, it's not a, a vote. Um, uh, we just want to, uh, we're trying to gauge support for any, uh, changes uh, we could make, and uh, I, I guess we'll see what the, the input is, but um, yeah, there's no uh, no threshold, of, at least in my mind, um, you know, like some percentage or anything like that.
0: Okay. And uh, before we get into the survey and what's on it, how long is the survey online going to be available?
1: Uh, till uh, the end of January.
0: Okay. Well, there, there was, I want to talk a little bit about the survey. I, I went and took it. Um, I encouraged many, many people to take it. Hopefully they've been taking it too. Part of me wishes I would have spoken to you guys a little bit before taking the survey, but the people that did had some questions. so I'm glad they did. So we could get a few things cleared up for anybody else that hasn't taken it yet. Um, Kurt, maybe I, I can ask you, we talked a little bit about some, some early teal and you're in my neck of the woods here in Western Minnesota and I know I've talked a lot about the early teal. That's been one of my biggest pushes in all this. And the whole reason for it is to be able to hunt late season mallards. Now, the, the, the nice thing about where we live is we have some open water later in the season. I understand not all parts of the state have late season open water. So going later into the season isn't always uh, on the top of their minds like maybe it is for us here in Western Minnesota. So I've pushed the idea if we have an early teal season, that we can have those days in September. They don't count against our 60 days, 60 day regular season. So we could potentially move the regular season, start back just a little bit and be able to hunt later into the season. Uh, I noticed, Kurt or Steve, whoever wants to answer this one, I noticed on the the survey, there was really nothing talking about that particular scenario. Uh, Just if you wanted the early teal season or if you didn't, um, could there be, if we implemented the early teal season, what, what is the reality of being, able, you know, would we push back the regular season start? Is that a possibility or would we still try to have the regular season start at, you know, say as early as September, what, 21st or 22nd, whatever it was here, uh, uh fairly recently, o- or is there a reality? Could we actually push the start into October if we do an early teal season?
2: I think I'll let Steve answer that uh, (laughs) specifically, you know, from a manager's perspective in, in this area, I agree with you. We've always, in most years, we have some late season opportunities, you know, especially for mallards. And I mean, that's what a lot of guys want you know, is, is that late season mallard hunt. And so I've always been a proponent of, Trying to capture that late season, and of course it seems like, you know, whenever we do extend it, the next winter <laughs> freeze out early, and yeah. <laughs> you, you don't have the opportunity. And everybody's saying, "Why didn't you give us a, you know, an opportunity on the front end?" But I agree with you. You know, the teal season would could provide that opportunity, but I don't know if it, if it would mean bumping the opener back on the regular season. Steve would have to answer that
1: and um i can weigh in and um on our uh, mail out survey um uh, w- uh we asked uh preference for opening date oh okay uh, by by zone and we also asked um if you want a teal season um how long do you want it um I, and i think the options were uh, zero five nine and 16 days so uh to some extent you know, I, th- I think it depends on, um, like, how long, you know, well, one, if we would do a teal season, uh, like, um, uh, uh, how many days it would be. So, um, you know, if it's um, a short season, um, you know, five days or something like that, but, um, we probably uh, would not delay the opener. Um if it's a long season, um, I, I think we would uh, certainly uh, consider delaying the opener.
0: <clears throat> okay, that makes sense. And then, if you did say we did a long season, um, I, I'm assuming that would be nine or sixteen days. Would you have, uh, say, a, a five day period in between? You know, so a few days to let the birds rest a little bit, or would it, would it would one run right into the other?
1: Oh, uh, <clears throat> Uh, like our um early goose season right now, um uh we close it um uh Sunday before duck opener. Uh, so my guess uh would be we would close the teal season um uh at least uh Sunday before duck opener, if not earlier.
0: Sure. Okay.
2: So Steve, what what is the earliest that that teal season can start?
1: Uh, September one.
0: Okay. Would you would you be in favor of starting it that early? And would you, if it was sixteen uh, days, would it would it just run six? You know, September one to September sixteen.
1: I guess uh, typically um, uh, we've opened um, early seasons for geese um, on Saturdays, so my guess would uh, be that we would open on a sat like the first Saturday in September um, for. Uh, Some number of days Um, and not really on the first, but. um, Sure. um, That first Saturday.
0: Yep. And could a guy, could a guy shoot teal and geese on the same hunt? Yep. Okay. All right. And then, but it's, it would be that early season would be any teal, right? Any blue wing or green wing or cinnamon should the case. Yep. Correct. Correct perhaps but if we did a, a two-week bonus wing teal that coincided with the regular season it would be wing teal only correct do we is there a, a re do you have a do you know the reasoning behind that that comes from the the framework right that's not, that's not a Minnesota decision necessarily that's what you guys were given Well,
1: that's a, a, a federal uh, uh, fishing and wireless uh, wildlife Service uh, framework. So, um, a state uh, can either have um, uh, an early teal season or a bonus blue blueing teal season, um, and it's one or the other.
0: Kurt, how much do you hear about Youth Waterfall Day?
2: Uh, not a whole lot. Maybe a little bit more now that my son is that age, mm-hmm. and so you know, I, I get a little more feedback from his his buddies and uh, their parents that are out and about doing it. But uh, the times I've participated in it locally, it, it seems pretty quiet on the
0: landscape. Um,
2: that's my vibe. Dan, what about yours?
0: Well, yeah, Dan, I know we've, when you were younger, we took you out on Youth Waterfall Day, you and, and some of your mm-hmm. friends, we actually introduced do you, do you think we introduced some of your friends to, to waterfowl hunting because of youth waterfowl and are they still doing it? Or do you, I mean, do you like, do you think it worked?
3: Um, for one, so with our, the two kids, the two other kids that we've taken out, uh, one it I think it definitely did work The other Not so much. Um, just wasn't his thing, but it was a great, not only was it a great introduction to hunting for both of them, but one, he just he didn't get into the hunting thing, but he still loves to go shoot trap or go to the skeet range shoot skeet. So it was a, you know, we got him introduced to a sport might not have been duck hunting but now he's comfortable around guns he's comfortable around he's comfortable around it um, and from a family that grew up without guns without anything no idea of hunting whatsoever but the other one he still stills going on every opener um, so yeah I think it absolutely it does work um, it was a fun day for me it's I know every kid I talk to that still hunts they love youth
0: day it was one of their favorite days of the season do you think though I mean, do you think it would have been different if, it, if you had some adults that just brought you out on a regular season hunting day? And what difference would it make if those adults left their shotguns in the truck versus if they shot along with the kids? Do you think that would make a difference?
3: You know, I think it can. It, it's a group by group thing, I think. Um, so, you know, you can get some of these adults that get so caught up in the hunting aspect, they forget about their kid and they just want to shoot ducks. Right. Um, and so having them leave their guns behind, it really puts focus on the kids. And if you're trying to get someone introduced to duck hunting for the first time, you want to make sure they're comfortable. You want to make sure they're taken care of. You know, we all know duck hunting is, isn't always the most comfortable sport and it can rain, it can snow, you're going to get wet, you're going to get dirty, but by trying to alleviate some of that, at least on the first hunt, so it doesn't get, so they're not miserable. And I think uh, by having the adults leave their guns behind and be focused on the kids, it's about the kids. They're going to be comfortable. They're going to have a better time. They're going to enjoy their experience more. And then you can slowly start to gradually, you know, gradually get them into hunting with your adult group or whatever. You know? Let them go on youth day. Let them get used to it. If they seem ready, let them go with you guys on opener.
0: So one of the arguments you hear against Youth Waterfall Day is that it disturbs waterfowl. Whatever it might might make uh, might put a little bit of pressure on some of the ducks. I'm not sure. I, I believe that necessarily. But if, say Youth Waterfall were to go away. I mean, Kurt, for the people that are out there trying to introduce kids, do you think they need a day to do it? Do you think that it does give them the extra nudge to try to bring kids out there, or do you think, especially if we had an early teal season? That if somebody wanted to introduce kids or maybe there was some sort of, maybe there was some day, you know, a weekend during the early teal where, um, I don't know, you, you highlighted kids, kids, w- whatever. I, I, I don't know what the right answer is there, but do you think people that want to introduce kids could just bring kids out and introduce them during the early teal season anyway? Or do you think we have to have that youth waterfall day to actually get that done? Well, I think Dan kind of hit the
2: nail on the head there, as far as, as soon as you take the guns out of those adults, it's a whole different approach by the adults. Um, And I, speaking for myself, I, you know, when I take my son out hunting during a regular season and I have a gun, I'm a very intense hunter. And I think some of that comes through where, you know, I'm not as relaxed and patient with my son if he's making mistakes or whatever or even my dog, but, you know, take that gun out of my hands and now I'm just a mentor Mm -hmm. and I'm way more relaxed. And I think it is way more enjoyable for those youth. And that, you know, that's me. And I I imagine that's the same for a lot of adults, a lot of parents were, you know, if they're there to just mentor their, their son or daughter on one of these youth hunts, they're going to try to make it fun and more enjoyable. And if you can, yeah, if you can, If you can do that during the, if we do have an early teal season and we can have that some kind of youth experience during that early teal season, I think that'd be kind of the way to do it if we could.
0: How, Steve? What what's the likelihood of keeping Youth Waterfowl Day if we had an early teal season?
1: Yeah. Um. uh, good question, and I don't have a good answer right now. (laughs) Um. uh, I think it depends. Um. Uh. One, if we do it, um, and then two, like how long the teal season would be. Sure. Um, uh, so I don't have a good answer, but, um, um, I certainly agree with both, uh, Kurt and Dan's comments. You know, I, um, uh, I have a 16 year old daughter and, and it's, uh, she hunt, has hunted with me and, you know, it's, it's, it's different. um, it, um, like, uh, uh, on youth day versus, um, like, uh, normal season. Um, um, if I have a gun with me, so, um, I, I, I don't know. Um, so I, I guess we'll, uh, that's why we're, uh, taking input sure. now and, uh, just see what the responses are.
0: Well, I could see if the, if the early teal season ends up being say a five day season, I could see you having that youth waterfowl slash military weekend, which I'm for. There's a military question on the survey. Should military get a a weekend to hunt? I'm all for it. They should be able to hunt for free. I have no problem with that whatsoever. You could do a youth waterfowl slash military weekend, do it the same weekend, realistically, and then have that shortened um, early teal season, even, even maybe the Monday through Friday right after that, or I suppose you'd want to do it over a weekend, but I could see it happening like that. Um if we had that early teal season the number one complaint or uh let's see what's the right word for it? the number one argument i hear from people uh, uh, against the early teal season is that somebody's going to be stomping a wood duck into the mud cuz they shot it by accident how real how real is the concern for mistake ducks out there because I feel like that argument is a little overblown. And I feel like if people are, people make mistakes, it's going to happen. It's going to happen during the regular season. It's going to happen during an early teal season. But how many of those mistakes are actually happening because teal are kind of small. And, and, you know, and and if you spend a little bit of time, you know, sometimes you got to spend a little bit of time hunting to really get get good at IDing birds. I understand it can be intimidating for people, but how, how real is that concern for mistake ducks?
1: Yeah, um, I, I'll, I can weigh in on that. Um, uh, so back in uh, 2014 or 15, um, we had um, uh, 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 Iowa, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, um, all opened uh, early teal seasons, uh, Did. Uh, spy uh, spy blind work experiments uh, to uh, sort of assess the uh, non-target take uh, for three years and I I think the non-target take was something like 6% Hmm. Um, and uh, the criteria uh, from the Fish and Wildlife Service was uh, uh, up to 25% non-target take so way below the uh like the non-target take level and you know states around us um i i don't know um and until we actually opened it um uh, teal season here um uh, we certainly have more uh diversity of breeding ducks here uh, but i don't know that our hunters are any better or worse than other hunters in other states you know i i think they would figure it out and not shoot too many um, non-targets but i I guess uh, we won't know until we do it
0: It, did you have something kurt
2: yeah i was going to ask if does that are you implying then that there would be some kind of monitoring or assessment to see what that non-target take is
1: yep um yeah. Uh, so, um, if we open a teal season, uh, we, uh, we would have to do a three-year experiment, and uh, with uh, spy blinds and a bunch of staff, um, uh, you know, es- essentially uh, uh, trying to watch hunters and see what they shoot and don't shoot out, and um, that's, uh, I-, I guess, kind of in place um, if if we want to open a teal season. So
2: can I ask then when they're monitoring in Iowa and these other states with the spy blinds, are they doing enforcement at the same time or is it just strictly collecting data?
1: Great question. Um, it's Yeah. Um, it's up to the state. Um, um, some of the states um, um, have to enforce um, like an illegal take and some do not. So um, I don't know in minnesota what um yeah what we would do if we opened it but um, um uh, certainly in other states um, um ceos have been involved in in like the spy line work
0: and then, if there was a legal take, uh, would maybe you don't know the answer to this because we don't know it yet. But if if a co does catch somebody shooting a wood duck during the early teal season, would it be a similar situation as if somebody shot, you know, say over the limit during the regular season, or or some something similar like that? Yep. Um, yeah. Um, it's
1: certainly um, uh, not legal, but um, um, I would have to uh, talk to our, uh, uh, COs and, uh, figure out if, if they have to go and um, enforce it or do we, uh, do they keep watching and just, um, uh, let the hunters keep hunting or,
0: um, yeah. That's interesting. Okay. And we're the only state in the Mississippi flyway that doesn't have an early teal season. I want to point that out before we move on. To the next topic on the waterfowl survey, uh, unless you guys had any other questions about our our discussion about early teal? Well,
3: I've got one thing actually, if you don't mind. Go ahead, Dan. Um, So I guess going along with that, um, worrying about taking different species or wood ducks, whatever mallard, I believe Wisconsin doesn't let hunters shoot until sunrise. So if you Mm. don't get that half hour before. Um, is that something that could be done here to alleviate some of that concern? Cause you know, you're shooting that half hour before you're, sometimes yeah. you are just shooting at silhouettes, you know, it's hard to see, especially on a
0: cloudy day. Great question.
1: Yeah. And, um, if, if we, uh, open a teal season, um, um, it would start at uh, sunrise and not a half hour before.
0: Great. Okay. That's a great question there, uh, Dan. And, and, and I also just want to emphasize, I, I like shooting teal. Don't get me wrong. My biggest push for an early teal season would be the, so we could, push our 60-day start back a little bit so we can shoot mallards later in the season. I wanted to get at that out before we move on uh, to the next one. Uh, there's a question about motorized decoy restrictions and uh, currently in Minnesota, what is it? It's a, You can't use them for the first two weeks and then not at all on state lands, right? Correct. So this question is, should we remove all restrictions and use Use them wherever, whenever. Yes. Okay. And I think that is something that has been on the minds of hunters for a long time. I don't think, I don't know. Personally, I haven't seen, I wouldn't see a lot of pushback on that. What's your, are you, do you still hear from people that think, uh, you know, mojos or motorized spinning wing decoys uh, could be an issue? Have you heard anybody argue for that restriction? Yeah. Any of you guys? I still hear it, uh, particularly from, you know, the, the old timers that
2: have that nostalgia for the classic waterfall hunts. And they've, you know, they've been hesitant to accept motorized decoys in any, any way, shape or form, you know, from the get go. And um, You know, they kind of hold on to that tradition.
0: I don't blame them for it. I appreciate it. Honestly, I appreciate the old school duck hunter. A hundred percent. I also don't have any issue with using motorized decoys. I think it's one of those where it should come down to the, to the choice, the, you know, I,
2: I, I think from a manager's perspective, you know, for the WMAs, um, I just want to see it simplified one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, it's closed on WMAs altogether, but it's open on WPAs, federal WPAs. And that, to me, that adds confusion. And so, as long as we can standardize things and be consistent, and the more black and white it is, the, the better for for everyone.
0: You hear about confusing rules a lot, and the the motorized decoy, where and when you can use it, and all that. I mean, every year we we hunt probably more than the average guy, Dan. And every year, how often do we say, can we? When can we use mojos again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is that, Dan? Every year. Every year. Yep. <laughs> every year. <laughs> and then that's the same with the four p.m. closure. Like I. I don't mind the 4 p.m. closure that much because I don't generally hunt ducks in the afternoon too often. I'm usually scouting for ducks for the next day. And I like to know that if I'm scouting ducks at, you know, at at 5 p.m., that nobody's going to go in there and bump them before I come back in the morning to hunt them the next day. But at that same time, uh, there's been trips that I'll take early in the year you know, to, to you know, say during the split in the central zone and we close, sometimes we go up to the northern zone where hunting is still open and we'll go and, and try to shoot ducks up north somewhere. And then we'll be like, oh yeah, it's four, it's four o'clock. You know, we're only on a three day trip or whatever it is. You try to maximize your, your hunting time. So I see the argument for eliminating it. And then again, just for consistency so that there's no, question about how late you can hunt on what day and what day it changes. Uh, what do you guys think? What are you guys hearing about the 4 p.m. closure rule?
2: Well, for the most part, I've heard uh, kind of that same sentiment, Let like, you know, just get rid of it um, saves on confusion. Sure. Um, you know, I think anytime we can simplify and be more consistent, it's going to be a good thing, you know, and especially for recruitment as well. Uh, you know, you don't want to have, our regulations be too daunting and intimidating for a, a new hunter. Um, you know, the youth can learn from a mentor, but a lot of times your adult onset hunters, uh, I think, you know, they might shy away from waterfall hunting just because it might be a little too intimidating. So, so if you can, uh, you know, the first, usually when I think about these uh, regulations, you know, the first question I have is, okay, what will be, the impact be on the, on the ducks. What will the impact be on the resource that the regulation applies to? And if there's really no impact on, on the overall populations or, or overall take, you know, then the next question I ask myself is, okay, will this change simplify the regulations. And if so, it's like, we might as well do it. If there's no impact on the resource and we can simplify, might as well do it. And then the last thing is, is the public going to accept that Hmm. um, change? And, and to me, the 4 p.m. closure and the motorized decoys—I, I think those kind of fit that bill in my mind. But
0: I think that's a, a great way to look at it. I mean, the resource is number one, of course, and uh, the, from everything I'm reading on here, the the research has shown that uh, there's been no impact, and especially with fewer hundred numbers, and in the name of recruitment, making things simpler and easier, is is uh, always better. So, <laughs> that being said, I want to throw a weird one at you guys. I sent you this in an email and you, you guys knew I was gonna ask this question and you even asked me to clarify it a little bit, but I, I've heard about some states out East that um, have had Sunday closures for hunting. And I always looked at that as like a blue law where, you know, and like even in North Dakota, a lot of things couldn't open until noon on Sundays. Um, looking into it a little bit further, I've heard talk people talk about, well, if you close, if you close say your duck hunting season, you know, you can't hunt on a Sunday. Well, that's just gonna add days to your allotment of of days duck hunt, just a wild wild question that is probably not realistic at all, and it would definitely add more confusion to Minnesota hunters and, and hunting regulations. But what if we? I'm just trying to spitball ideas on how to hunt mallards later season. Uh, realistically, <laughs> that's where all this is going. But what if we closed duck hunting on Mondays? And then for for however many weeks that is, eight weeks, whatever it is, could that could that potentially be a way? And has that ever been discussed to say close on Mondays, and that would add say eight days onto our season, essentially make let us go eight days later into see, into the season? Has that ever been talked about? And like, how f- far of a, a, a unrealistic goal would that be?
2: I, I first, I gotta ask. I'll just come up with
0: Monday. I would pick Wednesday. Well, yeah, I, I guess you know. I was just throwing, throwing Mondays out there. I, I, <laughs> yeah. You know, just because I know a lot of people, uh, you know, Mondays are always the day I feel like to, you can just, everybody's just got to regroup. Work. Yeah. Everybody's got to work yeah. or whatever. Relax. So. Well,
1: I, I, I would say Monday, just because um, uh, like Saturday, Sunday are busy, uh, lots of people out, but um, it, um, Uh, it's certainly been discussed. Um, and that only applies to the Atlantic flyway. Um, it's never been discussed here. Um, yeah, I don't, um, I would have to think about it more, but, um, I don't know that it's a terrible idea, but, um, um, yeah, it's kind of uh, out of the box.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, you know, you, you can expand that a little bit and say instead of having a split, right? You know, say if you say if you've closed Tuesday through Thursday, <laughs> right. you know, and then you want to, you can avoid a split and, and run later too. But
0: sure. Um, I- Boy, I that I know that's a tough one, but I was just thinking about it. Like you know, you pick the day that's least likely for people to hunt. I mean, for for the majority of people, in any case, I don't. I think North Dakota's got a weird Wednesday, like shooting Canada geese. I don't know if they still have this, but I know when I lived over there, they you do. yeah, you can only hunt geese until two pm right. or something on Sundays and Wednesdays, or when it's on odd yep. and even days, or when you're not shoveling snow. I don't remember exactly. <laughs> See that that's where it gets not really very, confusing. Not very simple, right? All right. No. Well, uh, anyway, I'm just, again, trying to find ways to add days onto the end of the season, uh, because if as we've discussed in the past and I've talked to other people, uh, you know, I used to say, give us a 70 day season in the Mississippi Flyway or 74 days or 100 days. Give me a thousand days if you can, please. But the difference is not not what happens here in Minnesota but more when you add days to the hunting season of the guys down south and the pressure that that would put on uh on our same duck. So I understand that adding days and going longer is a little bit tougher for us uh to do. So I'm trying to find some alternative ways to work within our 60-day um framework. So, um uh, moving on to the next one, uh one of the questions on the survey is overwater goose hunting. Um if you can Steve or Kurt, whoever wants to take this one, explain where that rule came from and what areas it applies to and why those areas specifically were chosen.
1: Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, um, um, I can take that. Um, uh, so um, when uh, we initially started um, our early uh, can goose seasons, uh, uh, you couldn't hunt geese over water uh, statewide. And over the years, that was... Um, kind of uh, minimized, and um, at present, um, you can hunt geese um, over water in the northwest goose zone, um, Carlos Avery, uh, Swan Lake, and Ochita Refuge. Uh, so pretty small areas, um, uh, but the rest of, rest of the state, uh, you can hunt geese over water, and um, we Don't have any data that really shows it's uh, effective or not effective. Um, uh, So we have a couple of uh, pretty small areas um, where we uh, are restricted, I guess. So uh, we're thinking about maybe um, getting rid of those.
0: And that that was mainly to try to uh, reduce pressure on the birds to keep them in the, in those areas. Right. So guys could hunt them in fields. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know if you'd have a lot of people. I mean, I'm all about not busting the roost. And, um, I think Sean Stahl said it best on this radio show one time, hunt, hunt the birds when they go out to eat at the restaurants, you know, don't hunt them at home, but, again, that could be one of those simplifying rules. And as long as there's other waters around, generally they might find a different roost, but unless they get really, really pressured, I don't, I don't know if they would leave, leave the area unless they're already thinking about migrating, uh, because of weather or daylight or, or, or other reasons. So, uh, that one, um, are you got? what do you guys have a gut feeling one way or another, if that might go away? I don't really,
2: this is Kurt. I don't really have a gut feeling. Um, Seems like I'm getting mixed signals depending on who I talk to. Mm. Um, I, I think the reason you know we, we wanted it removed in this area was you know our local goose numbers were, were climbing, mm. and we're dealing with depredation issues and trying to knock that population down, and looking for whatever means we could to increase that harvest, and. You know, you do have some hunters that, you know, they aren't set up to hunt f- field hunting. They're just set up to water hunt, right. and we wanted to provide that opportunity in the early in the early season.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, that's just the September season, right? That that restriction yes. is there. Okay, sure. So it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't conflict with duck hunters necessarily, but just in the, in the early season is meant for reducing the local population. So ideally you want people to shoot those geese anyway. So I could, I don't, I could see that restriction going away. Um, speaking of open water, this is an interesting one. And I've had some people make comments that they don't like the idea behind this open water duck hunting question on the survey. And I, if I, I could be wrong about this, but I think I, I, I feel like the spirit of the question is to increase more layout boat type hunting. And then maybe there are some circumstances where you could put a duck boat in and it's kind of hard to get real, uh, you know, really concealed in vegetation. But what a few of us have imagined is somebody going out right in the middle of the lake somewhere and just anchoring their duck boat and throwing a, 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 uh, you know, a raft of decoys out in the middle of a lake somewhere, which could be a problem or could potentially be a problem. Not that lakes are real busy in the fall, but I could see some duck boats and some duck blinds getting set up in some weird places. Is that, you know, is that, that, that's what this would mean, right? You could essentially set up anywhere.
1: Uh, Yes. Um, uh, so, um, we've had, um, uh, open water duck hunting restrictions since 1915. Uh, so wow. more than a hundred years. Um, it's offered on, um, uh, Lake of the woods, superior, uh, Pepin and Malax right now. Um, we're the only state um, other than uh, Wisconsin that uh, restricts it. Oh, and,
0: interesting. Okay.
1: Um, any other state that's you can hunt anywhere. Um, and, and, yes, you could. Um, uh, it, it's uh, layout boat hunting, or you could go out and anchor with a boat blind Um and uh, we have never allowed it um, other than a couple lakes uh, that we um, added in, I think it was 2014. So I don't think we're uh, probably thinking about um, doing it statewide, but um, we just want to get uh, more uh, input from hunters on it. And uh, I don't think a lot of hunters um, will do it. Um, right. I, 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 have a layout or I had a layout boat. Um, I've hunted in them, you know, it's pretty fun, but, um, yeah, I don't think, um, a lot would change if we did it. Uh, hmm. but again, uh, we want to get input from hunters.
0: Yeah. I, I, and I think layout, I, I would love to do a layout boat hunt. I think that would be a lot of fun. I, it's something that's been on my list. I want to do it for sea ducks real bad actually. But, um, I, I, I think the biggest concern I've heard from people is uh, just duck boats getting set up, you know, in, in random places. But um, yeah, I didn't realize it was, that was offered in, uh, in a lot of other States that that's already happening. So that's interesting.
2: I, I think it might simplify some things right now too, because to me it is a little gray and you know, that the boat has to be concealed with natural vegetation. Sure. Uh, you know, does that, can you cut that vegetation and and cover cover your boat up and then sit outside the vegetation? Mm. Um, you know, does it include boulders and rock bars? You know, can you sit on on a rocky point or um, you know? So there there is some. And then the other thing is floating a canoe down a river. Ah, sure. Um, jump shooting. You know, so there are some gray areas there. And if it if it was just opened up to open water hunting, it would do away with those gray areas too. I think.
0: Interesting. Okay. Well that actually helps. That explains that kind of clears a few things up with that uh with that regulation right there. Uh let's move on to the next one. This has been a big topic of discussion too, the splash duck bag limit. Now this is essentially it's a three-year experiment and it is it allows you to go out there and shoot three ducks and be done. Three of any ducks and be done. And that would be, I'm assuming, geared towards new hunters that may be wanting to learn a little bit more about duck hunting, a little intimidated by duck identification. It comes back to this duck identification. What, um, yeah, maybe you guys, maybe Stevie can kind of explain where this idea came from, what you would like to see, what, you know, what the, what the goals of this splash duck bag limit is and what the long-term results could be based on what you find out.
1: Yeah. So, um, uh, in the, uh, South Dakota and Nebraska uh, this fall uh, will implement that. Um, it's kind of a, a national uh, policy or whatever, and and uh, when hunters buy their license, um, they have to pick between um, uh, tier one, uh, which is just a like normal duck bag, and tier two, which, uh, which would be a three duck uh of any uh, sex species bag limit uh so they uh, pick uh when they buy their license um same season length and uh they'll they'll do that for three years um so uh the option in um in minnesota um is not um uh next year or um it's many years down the road but um um i thought it was a uh, uh, reasonable to ask now uh just because we don't do uh public input that often um mm. to see if if hunters were interested in um in that and i i think um um as you said um uh, it's probably more appealing to like brand new hunters than existing hunters but um um, you could shoot three of anything and, uh, w- we'll look, um, um, at the, like the flyway level and, uh, kind of look at the results from the Dakotas and, uh, Nebraska and see what, like what happens. But, um, you know, this would be, uh, like many years down the road.
0: Okay. What, when do you think you'll find out how it went in South Dakota and Nebraska?
1: Well, I I think we'll get the report, um, uh, like, next fall after the first season and, like, see how how many hunters uh, uh, did it. And they're trying to monitor harvest and um, every year thereafter.
0: Okay, so they're doing it in 2021. They didn't do it in 2020? Okay. Okay. I was thinking they did it last year. Gotcha. Kurt, did you have something
2: to add to that? Yeah, I was just going to point out that, you know, Having the conversations with uh, you know some of the hunters ahead of time here uh, on this one, you know they're they're quick to point out oh, I wouldn't like that, you know and I think what folks need to remember is it's an it would be an option like right. Steve said, so even if you personally don't like that splash bag limit, you can you can side with the tier one and go with the normal normal bag limit. But so, you know, so the question is, do you want that option available to other hunters that might want to use it? Right. And I think that's the, the way to look at it. You know, do you, um, yeah, you might not like it, but somebody else might like it. Uh, do you want to take away that option for them? Um, or do you, or do you agree they should have that option? Um.
0: Having the option between the two is important, I think, and an important distinction that people need to realize is there. It's not going to be one or the other. It it, it would be either or. Uh, One question came in that one guy said, so if I buy the splash duck bag limit license, can I go out and just shoot three canvas backs? Or, you know, could a guy go and shoot target, you know, three hen mallards? Or he wants to shoot, I want to shoot three redheads today. So can I go out and shoot three redheads? Yes. Okay.
2: Steve, so that begs the question I has you know you've, you've looked at harvest data for many years and you, you know the kind of the average bag limit by hunters every year. Now if we had a three if hunters did apply this splash duck, would it, could it potentially increase overall harvest because they don't have to be selective and would it be easier for some hunters to reach that three free bird limit?
1: Um, if they have that, that option. Yeah, um, uh, my my guess would be um, harvest would decline. Um, not, you know, uh, maybe not uh, by species, but um, um, again, uh, um, you could like you can shoot uh, six ducks now, uh, and barely... you could only shoot three with uh, splash bag limit so um, right but very few people shoot more even
2: though the limit is six very few people right. shoot more than three um,
1: right so, on any uh, given day right so uh, they're not going to shoot three of uh, whether it's uh, hen mallards or cans um, it it just um, it's not going to happen uh, but again um, we'd, I guess we'd, uh, we'll have to see what happens in uh south dakota in nebraska um this fall but yeah uh i i think harvest uh for those people would be lower than um than higher
0: Let's stay on bag limits here, but let's move to Canada geese. This has been discussed, I know for a number of years, there's a three bird limit uh, during the regular season here in Minnesota, five birds in the early season. Uh, My understanding, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the five birds is for our local Canada goose population, a resident population, Minnesota, whereas dropping her down to three birds was because of the migrating geese that come through, particularly that Eastern prairie population, uh, Canada goose. How are the EPP geese, goose numbers and how different, you know, with, with the Dakotas, I know they get, uh, you know, less pressure than say Minnesota, uh, but how, you know, they can shoot eight geese a day. How? I mean, there's, they got to be shooting EPPs over there too, right? Like how different. Are they, and can the EPP population, is that a consideration with the bag limit and can they handle a five bird per day limit?
1: Yeah, um, I can start um, with that. And um, our flyway approved a five goose bag um, uh, for every state in the flyway um, uh, for this fall. So uh, uh, we can do it if we want to. Um, uh, EPP geese, uh, uh, we still monitor them, uh, pretty well, um, with, uh, surveys and banding and their population is doing well. Um, probably, um, I, I guess a little different, um, in terms of, uh, like where they concentrate, um, uh, like in Kurtz area, um, we don't have a lot of, uh, birds at uh, lackey Paro anymore, but, uh, uh, certainly, um, the populations are doing fine. Um, uh, Dakotas have um, uh, up to eight goose uh, bag limits uh, during uh, their normal season, so uh, a five goose limit for us. Um, you know, we have a lot of geese, and and both resident and migrant populations um, uh, seem to be doing pretty well.
0: Did you
2: have something, Kurt? Uh, no, I you know, my only comment on the bag limit again is simplify and, you know, it's another one of those things where I get to the regular season and I got to look back. Okay. What is it? Three or five? What are we at now? Right. Um, You know, last year was two or whatever, you know, you know, it's just one less, I mean, you still need to read those regulations. Right. But it's one less change due to date that you have to worry about. So if it was five across the board at, I'd like to see that, or I, I could see hunters want, wanting that just for simplicity.
0: Now, because of COVID, I know they haven't been banned in Canada geese. Uh, so I'm assuming that we need some data before this increase would actually happen. Or do you think we could see if hunters are in favor of raising this Canada goose bag limit, how soon could that potentially take place?
1: Yeah, uh, this fall. Okay. Um, it's, out, it's, it's approved by the uh, service, so... We could do it
0: uh, this fall. Okay, all right. Let's move on to uh, using motors on wildlife management areas. This is a, gosh, this is a tough one for me because I like making some duck hunting hard, and I think that makes for better hunts, for the guys that want to put in the work. Now, there have been many times I've been trudging through a slough with water right at the top of my waders, or I'm in a duck boat, you know, and it's like, gosh, I got to go all the way across the thing. So the wind is right. And then, you know, if you, you got the wind at your back, shooting divers, I could really see this, you know, uh, when we're on uh, uh, on private water and we're shooting divers, boy, there's so many times we got to track down divers with your boat and your motor. It's kind of nice to have. So I, I see I can see the benefits of having and, and using a trolling motor versus a big outboard. Of course, it's going to be a lot quieter. It's going to be a lot better uh, for the environment and, and less disturbance, which is the idea of using electric versus gas. But um, I just, I don't, I don't know. What, what are you guys hearing from people on on using tr- trolling motors uh, on WMAs?
2: I'm, I'm getting mixed messages again. I, I think for the most part, guys, are with you where they don't want to see them, uh, yeah. on the WMAs. But, you know, mm-hmm. my worry is this, uh, you know, WPAs federal waterfall production areas, you know, they do not allow them. So now again, if suddenly you allowed them on WMAs, oh, yeah. I mean, we have bought, we have bodies of water that are shared by WMAs and WPAs, uh, mm-hmm. You know, a guy starts out with a motor on a WMA, but he's going to the other end, which is WPA, because you have to turn the motor off, uh, right. get rid of the motor altogether, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and then the other issue I'd point out is, in my area, especially, you know, on some of these WMAs and WPAs, you know, they have fish in them.
0: Yeah, yeah so well, let's not tell anybody uh,
2: about that though kurt that's a,
0: <laughs> that's a secret i won't say which ones but, some of them do.
2: <laughs> but you know as soon as you say okay you can have trolling motors on and we say we standardize it with wpas and wmas you know now you're gonna have guys trying to duck hunt and, and guys trolling around with that's a trolling sure. motor fishing yeah. um so you know again it's up to the People can input however they want. I, I'm just pointing out, you know, some of the issues that I've, you know, based on talking to people, what I'm hearing.
0: I definitely would like to use a trolling motor in the summer on some of those for fishing. But I know that if it were allowed, the fishing would not be anywhere as good, anywhere near as good as it is without trolling. That's motors. right. So That's right. I just. And, and that, you could say the same for the duck hunting, too. Right. Exactly. Um, hmm. Gosh, yeah, it's a tough one. I, would there could there be any sort of compromise where some waters, some trolling motors are allowed and some aren't? Would that make it too confusing? Well, I
2: think we we have that right now, right? You know, Marsh Lake, hmm. the upper half of Marsh Lake is motorized. Uh, luck well, yeah, luck Parle Lake, uh, upper Lock Parle Lake, you can use motors on. Uh, you know, I know there's some other larger WMAs where motors are allowed. Um, so. Yeah. Okay. Again if you you know, if you start making a building on that list of where you can and where you can't it, confusion. You know, it,
0: it, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and um just uh to add in, um we have um what about uh fifty uh, feeding and uh, resting areas. Um right. like some you can use trolling motors on. Um uh, you can't use uh, uh outboards on any of them but um um yeah, uh, so some you can some you can't and yeah i i, I agree with kurt i've heard kind of uh, the same thing uh kind of mixed um, opinions but again that's why we're taking uh public input and online input and uh trying to like see what hunters think so if i have an outboard on my boat and a trolling motor
3: if i put the outboard up and not use it can i still take the boat out there does the outboard have to be completely off the boat
1: nope uh, you can um, uh, troll um, or paddle um, as long as you don't run the outboard sure okay cool
0: well, uh, we're, we're wrapping things up on this waterfowl survey. I've got one more. It's, it's kind of a question, kind of a statement a little bit. And um, Steve, I think you maybe mentioned that there may be more detail about this in the mail-out survey that's coming. Um, when, is that, when is that survey getting mailed out? Uh, this week, I think. This week. Okay. And that was uh, 7,000. There were 7,000 people picked that had purchased uh, duck stamps. That'll be getting this? Okay. Do you know how the, were the 7,000 chosen randomly or how did that process work?
1: um, uh, So we picked um, uh, uh, so many per uh, uh, North uh, Duck Zone, Central Duck Zone and South Duck Zone and the Metro. It was, um, I I think, 1,700 per those four areas, if that makes sense.
0: Sure. So as a sample size from each zone, essentially, and then yep. plus the metro. Okay. Well, I, I, cause I, you know, again, I, I keep, I don't want to beat a dead horse on this, but my, my big thing is trying to get some days later in the season, you know, when the, when the big flocks of mallards are coming down to be able to hunt later in the season. So the, when I read the splits question on the survey, I was a little disappointed that it all said, you know, September 25 through whenever, uh, and then in the north zone with no split. And then September, it was a splits question. But I was, I guess, I went in into it looking at it as a starting date question. So I, I think I just interpreted the question wrong because I was looking for a way to say, "Hey, I want to start the season later," but that wasn't in there at all. It was just more about the splits. Do you like the, the way the splits and the zones are? Which, which, if I were to offer two cents on the zones and the splits, I know Dan, you and I talk about this quite a bit because you, hunt, you, you went to school up in Bemidji, so you spent a lot of time up in the north zone where you freeze up. You like. You like the, the start date and the end date kind of where it's at, right?
3: Yeah, especially up here because, I, you know, I've been up here for three years now. And this year was the first year I hunted into November up here. Everything else was, I mean, last year on Halloween, everything was frozen. We were done, yeah. unless, except for the, the big bodies of water. And that's, that's just really frustrating to only have a month and a half to hunt. i is certain that would be terrible.
0: As tall or as long as the state is, however you want to describe it, it's hard to manage a waterfall season for the entire state. So I've been a fan of the of the zones. And I don't mind the splits in the central zone where I'm at for five days, because usually once we get past that first week or whatever, a lot of the local birds are kind of pressured. This year it was 80 degrees for that for those five days that we were closed here in the central zone it was 80 degrees. The last thing I wanted to do was go duck hunting. It just, you know, the ducks weren't moving. It didn't feel like duck weather. I liked the split and it gave me five days later in the season. I like the way the central zone is. I'd like to see it maybe just push back a little bit, of course. And then the southern zone, I know the guys in the south hate the two weeks or the 10 days, whatever it is. They hate the extended split in the south zone because they feel like they miss out on on some of the hunting down there. So I don't know what the right answer is. Uh, Ideally, guys, let me ask you this. If we implemented that teal season, let's just throw a hypothetical out there to wrap up this interview. It's so hypothetical. Say we started the early teal season and um, say, say we, we did 16 days. I don't know if part of me wants to do nine days, 16 seems like a lot, but let's just say we do a longer early teal season and then we push back. So say, say you do the teal season kind of in the middle of September and you run it for two weeks. So say the second and third week, and then the fourth week of September, you close it. And then you open up the regular season at the, the beginning of October or right at the end of September, and you do your 60 days. If that scenario were to play out, would the splits remain or do you, or would this be a way, or would you get rid of the splits at that point?
1: Yeah. Um, I guess I can uh, weigh in, um, on a, a Northern, uh, duck zone hunter and, uh, uh, uh certainly, uh, no split in, uh, northern Minnesota. And I, I would say, uh, a, a shorter split, um, statewide. Um, if we, if we did that, okay. um, but, yeah, it it kind of depends how long a teal season would be sure you know if it's 16 days um it may be different than if it were five days
0: that makes sense well i, I guess that's a lot of it's going to come down to what type of an early teal season we have well for the record for for whatever for whatever this is worth to you guys i am in favor of an early teal season uh, maybe a longer one maybe it's even um Oh, gosh, you don't want to make it too confusing, but whatever we can do and we can run our 60 days here in uh, in the central zone in any case and start it maybe that first week in October and you could run through without having to have have splits here. And I know maybe you could alleviate some of the some of the frustration from the guys in the south by doing the same thing and eliminating splits. Down there, it's a tough job. Uh, I I know managing for waterfowl hunters in Minnesota is not an easy job, and we all have opinions, and we all like to tell you about them. So, I, I appreciate you guys coming on and uh, listening to my opinions, of course, and helping us answer some of these questions uh, about the waterfowl survey. The online survey available on the DNR website. You can find a link to it on the Sporting Journal Radio Facebook page as well. That is available through the end of January, so January thirty first, Steve. Yep. January 31st. And then there'll be a mail out survey that uh, select uh, people in each zone should watch for coming in your mailbox this week. Fill it out, fill it out and send it back. I know I am sometimes terrible about filling out some of those mail in surveys. I, I apologize if you guys have sent me some and I haven't filled them out. I try to fill them all out at the same time. Uh, I, the online ones are, are easier for me just because they're, you they not I lose track of my mail sometimes cause I'm that kind of guy, but fill them out, watch your mailbox. And then uh, we'll obviously help people get informed about the webinar in March. And uh, we'll look forward to the results, hearing the results of this survey. Either way, um, guys, I know it's a tough job. So, uh, Thanks for everything everything that you guys do, and thanks for the time here on the show. Thank you. Thank you. This has been the Finding Fur and Feathers hunting podcast, part of the Sporting Journal Radio family. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts, or visit us at findingfurandfeathers.com. Looking for winter adventure? Might as well pick a place with over 1,000 lakes. Ottertail County, Minnesota, is in the middle of everywhere. Offers a simpler pace and has something for everyone. Find your inner otter at OttertailLakesCountry.com. Ice fishing season is here this winter. Plan a trip to Devils Lake, North Dakota. Not only will you have the chance to catch your legendary perch, but this year, Haybell Heights has been catching big walleye after big walleye. And they're doing it from a mobile, comfortable snow bear. No matter how cold it is outside, you're warm and toasty on the inside. Learn more and book a trip today at hayvaleheights.com. That's hayvaleheights.com.
3: Come ice fish the famous waters of Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, the walleye capital of the world. Experience full-service resorts featuring heated fish houses, ice transportation, meal plans, and sleeper house options. From the Northwest Angle to the South Shore, Rainy River in Baudette, the Midwest's number one ice fishing destination. Walleye, Sauger, Perch, and Northern Pike, Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, best fishing anywhere. For more information, log on to
0: lakeofthewoodsmn.com. On X Hunt, ever heard of it? Next time you see that guy at your local shop who always punches his tag on a stud whitetail, ask him. He'll tell you about the most trusted source for mapping. With nationwide landowner names, private and public land boundaries, including walk-in areas, map tools to mark spots, and the ability to view
3: your maps without cell service. And that's just scratching the surface. It's your time to be known as the big buck guy around town. Download the leader in hunt mapping on Google Play or the App Store. On X Hunt, Nowhere you stay.